Therefore, with your minds ready for action, be serious and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desire of your former ignorance, but as the one who called you is holy, you are also to be holy in all your conduct, for it is written, Be holy because I am holy. And if you address the Father as the one who judges impartially, based on each each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your temporary residence. For the time, uh, for, for you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but it was revealed at the end of the times for you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. By obedience to the truth, having purified yourselves for sincere love of the brothers, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For... All flesh is like grass, and all its glory like flower of the grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached as the gospel to you. Thank you, Patrick. Has anyone ever had a situation where a person... Um, that you've been talking to or interacting with has said, you are so much like your father or perhaps mother. Uh, Has anyone ever had that said? Yeah, sometimes it's because of perhaps mannerisms or sayings that we pick up, uh, tones of voice that we pick up perhaps from our parents, so we speak a little bit like them at times. We have facial expressions that we sort of learn to, to have that we've been observing them as we've grown up and we, we, we can start to just not look like them physically but in all of our responses to things, the way we behave. I, I went online and to have a look at some photos of, th- these are genuine photos of fathers and sons at the same age. Okay, so here's the first one. You wouldn't know really which was which, except for the age of the first photo there, that that's obviously the father. Uh, Here's another one. There's a father and a son. Uh, These two are not at the same age. This is like currently when the photo was taken. They were both in the photo together. There's a father and a son. All right. Okay. I also did some some mother-daughter ones for the girls out there. Okay. So here's this one. I think with the mother-daughter ones, the hair really makes a difference. So this one, obviously, they've got the same hair, but their faces are pretty similar. Use the same eyeliner. And uh, this one, I think they're desperate to look like each other. There's a mother-daughter. They've even dressed the same. Same hairdresser, except one, the blonde is growing out in her hair. Uh, Here's one that uh, you might recognise. This is... uh, a mother when she was about 16 and her daughter. All right. 
very similar. Okay? So, I did get permission to put that one up. Yeah. So, sometimes we look a lot like our parents. Now, this passage that we just looked at from 1 Peter is a passage that says, if you are one of God's children, then you need to look like your parent. You need to look like God in the way that you behave. And this is why we're talking about godliness, because godliness is about behaving in a way that is consistent with your relationship that you have with God as your father. And so you'll notice there that the language of family is referred to a number of times. And so you've got in verse 14, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. Verse 17, if you address as father, the one who judges impartially, then conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your temporary residence. And so there's a few references there that speak about our relationship with God in family language. And in the middle of it is this key bit where Peter quotes from Leviticus, where God says, be holy because I am holy. And so if you're going to carry the name of Jesus and say, I am a Christian, then you need to behave like Jesus. There needs to be evidence that you are a Christian. Now, it's no surprise to many of you that I support the Manly Seagulls. And the reason is that you see me wearing Manly Seagulls gear and perhaps drinking from a Manly Seagulls mug on occasion. Uh, it tells you something about my affinity or my connection that I have with a particular football team. I don't hide the fact that I'm a Manly fan, even though I face opposition. All right, We know everyone hates Manly, and um, that's the way life goes. But I know that I'm with the winning team. So I'm not ashamed. All right, so I'll wear my manly gear into the local high school where they're all Cronulla Sharks or St George fans or, or whatever. In a similar way, Christians tend to be in the minority in our world and you can cop a bit of flack if you were to turn up to school wearing a, an outfit that said, I belong to Jesus Christ. I know you've got to wear your school uniform, but if you were to wear something that declared that, how would people respond to you in the playground? Would they be like, oh my goodness, I didn't even know that. Or having seen it, they'd say, yeah, that'd be right. That fits with the way that you behave. Someone once said um, a number of years ago, if you were to be arrested and the charge against you was that you're a Christian, would there be enough evidence to convict you? Would they be able to get enough people to come and testify in court as to your behaviour and your beliefs so that you would be convicted of being a Christian? If you're not sure whether there'd be enough evidence, then there's a warning shot for you that perhaps you're not living out your relationship with God among people who are not also Christians. It's very easy to live as a Christian when you're surrounded by Christians. So here at Youth Church, or if you come to youth group, or perhaps in a Bible study, lunchtime group at school and so on. But it's when you are with those who are not Christian, and for some of you that's in the home. How does your life demonstrate that you belong to God? Well, this passage says, 
that we do this by being obedient to him as our heavenly father and we seek to be like him. Go back to chapter 1 and verse 3. It says, Praise the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable, uncorrupted and unfading, kept in heaven for you. God has given you new birth into a living hope that is a hope in what is to come, which is far better than that which perishes on this earth. Everything that we have here will fade. It won't last. It will break down. It will decay. But what God has in store for us is permanent. And we have access to that because of God's love for us in sending his son, Jesus. And because of that, we have new birth. We are now children of God when we put our trust in Jesus. And this is why he says, therefore, in verse 13, as obedient children, verse 14, uh, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance before you were born again. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Now, in the Old Testament, I'll give you a little bit of history here. Uh, when God's people were in Egypt and they were being treated as slaves and God rescued them from Egypt, there were a whole lot of plagues you might be familiar with hearing about in the book of Exodus. And the final plague was the, the angel of death that came through the land. And the Israelites had to demonstrate their trust in God's provision for them. They had to sacrifice a lamb and get its blood and paint it around the door frames of their homes. And when the angel of death came through the land, wherever there was a home that had the blood around the doorframe, the angel passed over that house and everyone was fine. But any home that did not have the blood around the doorframes, the firstborn in that home, firstborn male, died. And so this happened throughout all of Egypt. And God's people were protected because God had provided for them in the blood of the lamb that was killed in the place of the son or the firstborn male who would have otherwise died. And that also extended to the animals. And so because of this, uh, God, go to the next verse actually, God said to the people that every firstborn male that they have from now on has to be consecrated to God because they actually belong to God because he had rescued them. Right? He effectively gave them their sons back when the angel of death passed over their homes. And this is significant for what is picked up here by Peter in the passage. So come with me back to the passage. Verse 17. If you address as father the one who judges impartially based on each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your temporary residence. For you know that you were redeemed, that means rescued, saved, from your empty way of life inherited from the fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without defect or blemish. He was chosen before the foundation of the world, but was revealed at the end of the times for you, who through whom are believers in God. And so 
If we go back to the Old Testament again, uh, when speaking about Jesus, Isaiah said this, He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. Like a lamb led to the slaughter and like a sheep silent before her shearers, he did not open his mouth. If we might recall early on in John's gospel, John the Baptist sees Jesus coming and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And just like that lamb was sacrificed at the Passover, so Jesus would be sacrificed and his blood would mean God's judgment would pass over those who've placed their trust in that blood, in God's provision for them. And this is what Peter's picking up on. And he's saying, Jesus' blood has been shed for you. So don't keep behaving in rebellion. Your response should be one of obedience and to want to be like God, to live a godly life. And the first thing he says is to love one another. And so you see that uh, in the next section there, verse 22. Uh, By obedience to the truth, having purified yourselves for sincere love of the brothers, love one another earnestly from a pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. So the thing that marks you out as being one of Jesus' followers will be love for one another. Jesus himself said that people will know that you are his disciples if you love one another. We have that as part of our youth statement, don't we? To love the Lord, to love each other and to love the unsaved world. So what's the uniform that you wear? I mean, I wear a manly jersey to support a football team, but what uniform should I wear to show that I am being like God? Well, it would be love, wouldn't it? To love those around me. To care for them and value them as God values them. And God so loved us that he gave his son for us. This is love, not that we loved him, but that he loved us. So some of the the youth, the senior youth, have been doing a take love initiative this term where we're collecting food to give to people in need. That's a practical example of something that we can do for those who are poor. But you can love the people around you in so many ways. First thing, I think, is to be praying for them. Pray for the people around you. Pray for your friends who are not Christians. But treat them in a way that says that they're important. Is Blake in here? No, last week on the video, Blake said he would never talk to God like he talks to his mates because that's not respectful. And I'm not sure exactly how he talks to his mates. But the way that you talk with people who are not Christian will say a lot about what your values are and how you think of them. So the sorts of cutting remarks that sometimes get said, you you wouldn't be doing that. In fact, if you were to read Ephesians 4 and 5, it says that coarse joking is out of place and does not belong among God's people. Right? It's a misfit to be speaking like that. James says, can both fresh water and bitter water come from the same spring? No, in the same way, praising someone and cursing them should not come from the same mouth. There needs to be a consistency. If you declare that Jesus is your Lord, then your speech should reflect that as well. Be godly because he is godly. 
People used to wear the uh, WWJD, what would Jesus do, wristbands. Some people might still have them. How would Jesus want you to behave so that you might honour him? It's very easy to do it here. But when you're at home, separate from others, and when you're at school, separate from others who love Jesus, it can be hard. But we're called on to be obedient. Not so that we will win God's favour. Notice, again, chapter 1, verse 3, these people have already been saved by Jesus' death. And their obedience is a response to that. It's not in order to win God's favour. It's because God has already poured his love out onto them that they're then to pass it on to others. I hope that uh, Christians who love one another because they are living godly lives are not at risk of being an endangered species, but that you're actually living this out and that you're encouraging one another to do so. You're praying, you're reading your Bible, but you're living godly lives. Because you notice in the video that each one of those girls, they came from homes where they weren't brought up to believe in Jesus. And yet they saw their Christian friends living a life that was consistent with their faith. And it affected them and made Christianity attractive to them so that when they then did hear the message about Jesus, they were like, absolutely, I'm on board because I can see that you guys are genuine in the way that you behave. And of course, the challenge that they're now facing is to behave in a godly way themselves. But we're not alone in this. God gives us his spirit to help us and gives us one another as well. But we've also got his word. We've also got prayer. God gives us so many things to help us to live as his people. So I'm going to pray that we would do that. Dear Lord God, we thank you so much. Thank you for the three girls that were on the video that spoke about their friends and we thank you for their friends who lived consistently with what they believed. They lived holy, godly lives because they knew that they were redeemed by the precious blood of Jesus. Father, help us to see that as well, that we belong to you as your children because of your love poured out on us through your Son. Father, help us to live consistently with what we believe, that we might start to look like your Son in the way that we love others, that the spiritual DNA would be within us and people would see that we belong to Christ and that Christ would be attractive to them because they experience a taste of his love for them as we live that out. So we ask that you might help us to live godly lives and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.